you are Locked On Mizzou, your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, all you true sons and daughters, I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and central scrutinizer of Missouri Tigers football and basketball five days a week. And as we often have been on these Wednesday shows today, I want to talk about Eli Drinkwitz's latest meeting with the media. And of course, I have my roster of sound bites all ready for mucho reactions on this here program. And you know, Eli was in a good mood on this session, very engaging on a particularly interesting philosophical question I felt, and also even engaged on, well, a not-so-great question, which frankly may have shown a little bit of Gary Pinkle influence on, on that way and maybe another way that I noticed as well. So we're going to get to all that, but first, let's get to some more pressing news, and that's that in basketball, it's official now for this coming season in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. The Tigers will host TCU. And what a thrill that is to renew that storied basketball rivalry between the Tigers and the Horned Frogs. And you can tell by my tone here, I'm not exactly brimming with excitement in this for this particular matchup, especially after last year. You know, West Virginia is obviously a good opponent, but I think when this Big 12 SEC thing started during the 2013-2014 basketball season, I think we thought we were going to be maybe getting some more games with Oklahoma, Texas, Kansas State, you know, Nebraska, the actual teams that Missouri has history with instead of TCU and West Virginia. So I don't know, maybe we're just getting the short shrift because Missouri hasn't been all that good in basketball in recent years, but I'm a little bit sick of this, frankly, and it's been now what, seven seasons, and we still can't seem to get the matchups right in this thing. I really don't understand what the point of this tournament is at this point. Not tournament, but just this annual event where you rotate opponents. Are we not trying to draw eyeballs here? I I just don't totally get it. I really don't. And as far as football goes, obviously, the Missouri beat is very focused on the Kentucky game right now, but clearly... A week from Saturday, Missouri scheduled to travel to Gainesville. And as of now, the latest word from our friend of the show, Zach Abelverde, who's with Rivals and YahooSports.com, well, he's reporting that Dan Mullen just said that our expectations are to be back in the facility on Monday. Florida's had their football activities paused since last Tuesday. So hopefully, hopefully this game's still going to happen, but if you just look at the dribs and drabs of news flow coming out of Gainesville right now, it doesn't seem real positive, does it? Florida reporting, again, this is from Zach, Florida reporting 25 new cases in this last testing update, but that does include the 21 announced last week, so four new additional from last week. You know, obviously you want to see that number come down, to say the least, uh, to, to make a very obvious statement. So the main takeaway here is stay tuned when it comes to the Gator game. And in the spirit of wait and see, Eli Drinkwitz provided his update on Missouri's COVID-19 situation for this coming week. 
Uh, I mean, knock on wood, we got a test out today that we took this morning, so things can can change. Uh, as of right now, we do not have anyone in quarantine uh, because of COVID. Uh, we are missing a couple of players due to uh, sickness, but it is not COVID-related, and we have not had a positive. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not even going to jinx it, so yeah, well, we're good right now but we got test today so we'll see and indeed it does seem there has been some sort of other non-covid illness that may be making its way through the locker room a little bit and Zeke Powell uh, left tackle for the Tigers well apparently he was actually hospitalized shortly before the LSU game and well Eli was asked about Zeke's status and also we talked about pro football focus a little bit this week and their their grades and just maybe to take all of that with a grain of salt. And, well, Eli touched on both of those topics in this bite. No, uh, Zeke's deal was, was totally separate, um, but tremendously proud of him for, for the way he played, the way he stepped in, the way he, he did play in that game. Uh, you know, there are times we played well at the offensive line. There's times where we, we have not played as well as we need to. We've got to finish and sustain blocks. Um, you know, for me, I, I don't know what measurement PFF measures with, but my measurement is, does your guy, the guy that you're assigned to block, does he make the tackle? And if he makes the tackle, then you haven't done your job. And and, and whether that's on the perimeter, uh, whether that's in the offensive line at the tight end position, or whether it's the quarterback carrying out the fake, there's a lot of areas of improvement that we need to have offensively in order to uh, – continue to to be the type of offense that we want to be like Eli referred to there I think it's just good to take the pro football focus stuff with a grain of salt but I've already made that point so I don't want to hammer it home too hard so instead I want to refresh your memory about the type of refreshment that I enjoy when I get into chill mode and of course that drink is the mountain cold made refreshment that is made to chill And that is Coors Light, the cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged beer that is literally made to chill. So even if you happen to be a Big Ten fan and you haven't had any sports to actually watch this fall, well, by golly, there's still plenty of teams and SEC action, more importantly, for you to enjoy. And what better way to do so than by pairing that sports experience with a cold, refreshing Coors Light. And get it delivered to your house right now by going to get.coorslight.com. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind, so when you need to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Please celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Now, if it isn't quite chill mode, but you think you deserve a nice midday delicious treat well there's no better way to go than our friends at built bar because despite the fantastic taste of these delicious chocolatey treats the flavor profile for the new cookies and cream for instance the nutritional profile is so much better than what you're going to find in some off-the-shelf candy bar the cookies and cream, for instance, has 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, and just 4 grams of sugar and 4 net carbs. Built Bar is great for the health-conscious guy. So go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get 20% off your next order. That's right, promo code Locked On for 20% off 
at BuiltBar.com. A couple things I noticed from Eli Drinkwitz's latest meeting with the media via Zoom, of course, as is the custom in the year 2020. My God, let's get back to the old normal soon. But regardless of all that, I couldn't help but notice, and this is wild speculation on my part, but if I didn't know any better, I would swear that Eli Drinkwitz spent some chunk of his bye week talking with former Missouri coach Gary Pinkle. For instance, Eli was asked about turnovers, and here's how he responded. It's all about the ball. I mean, for our football team, it is all about the football. It is all about the ball. I think Gary Pinkle put that on a t-shirt once. I could be wrong. So that was part of my my hypothesis here. And then the other part is that, well, quite frankly, was how Eli handed the media this week. Handled the media, I should say. Now, Gary Pinkle, when he arrived at Missouri was a relatively young guy, not as young as Eli Drinkwitz, but about 48 years old or so, 47 maybe. So about 10 years older than Eli. But the one thing maybe they had in common was that, especially Pinkle early on in his coaching tenure, kind of tried to be tough guy with the media a lot, to say the least. And often he would try to say the least that he could in his responses. And of course, we all know as time went along, Gary lightened up quite a bit, especially with the, with the news media. And I don't think that was a bad thing at all. It couldn't have hurt, let's put it that way. And I wonder if maybe Gary Pinkle may have given Eli a bit of advice from his years of experience and wisdom at Missouri. Because, well, I did actually did it in a podcast that was entitled Eli Drinkwitz media tactics because I got an email from a listener named Jim who was concerned about Eli being a little bit snippy and sort of condescending with the news media at time. Uh, But at times, I should say. Well, I just felt that he was more playing sort of good cop, bad cop, and that he would engage with a good question, but would sort of, I don't know, maybe be a little bit bullying in terms of to the younger reporters if he thought they asked a stupid question or something. But today, one of the younger guys on the Mizzou beat asked a very generic question that I, after watching several of these press conferences at this point, I fully anticipated that Eli was going to give the classic monosyllabic awkward response that he's become somewhat known, known for when he doesn't like the question. But instead, Eli hunkered down and gave the answer probably more that the reporter was hoping to get, at least more color anyway. Let's put it that way. But you know what? There was an older gentleman who asked a really good question that Eli absolutely thought was a great question, even though the guy questioned himself a little bit. Maybe you'll be able to hear that in this bite. But he asked him, sort of following up on this idea that Missouri needs to force more turnovers, he was asking, well, philosophically, though, how do you balance the idea of trying to force fumbles, for instance, but also tackling fundamentally. And here was Eli's response to that. We have turnover circuits that we practice, um, which are specific ways in which we attack the ball carrier and try to get the ball out. Uh, The first man in always makes the tackle. The second man in always goes for the football. And I think that for us is where we have to continue to rally to get people to the ball. Um, We got to get more people surrounding the football. And the second person in has got to get the ball out. And then, I mean, we haven't had an interception. I mean, we, we've had multiple opportunities 
Um, but we haven't got the ball yet. So as as defensive backs, as linebackers, uh, even as D linemen getting our hands up, we've got to get one of those. And and I, you know, once they come, they usually come in bunches. But we have to create them. And uh, so far, we have not been able to do that. I mean, we've had we've had over well 150 pass attempts on us. I would now well, probably not that many, maybe 125. So you know, we've had some opportunities. You're you're you would assume that about as a quarterback, you assume one out of 40 attempts, you're going to have an inter- interception. So about minus three right now. Now, that was interesting. I'd never heard the one out of 40 attempts from a quarterback. You should expect an interception. I was more thinking of it from the defensive side of the ball. I'm actually a little bit more in terms of the real outcomes Every pass that is defensed, in other words, if a defensive back, a linebacker, in coverage, if he knocks a ball down, if he gets a hand on it, well, generally one out of every four of those is going to be intercepted. And I think, if anything, that's the thing that Missouri statistically has been unlucky. And, you know, you could argue fundamentally they should be better at securing that football, too. But regardless, I think that's the thing to look at. Just get your hands on that football, and eventually you're going to create turnovers. But just before I rolled that sound bite, Eli assured the reporter that that was absolutely not a dumb question. I thought Eli gave a really thoughtful answer about balancing those two things, particularly, hey, the first guy, he needs to wrap up and make the tackle, but if a second defender's coming in, by all means, try to punch out the football. That's what I got from his statement. And certainly Kentucky's defense has relied on turnovers and its two victories. In fact, they totaled 10 takeaways in their two victories, and I'm trying to think how many they got in their wins. It was either zero or one. I know that. In one of those games, they didn't get any takeaways. So, obviously a big deal for Missouri. And, well, let's hear from Eli Drinkwitz on just a little bit more color on that Wildcat defense. Well, I think they do a good job of dropping into their zones. They they do a tremendous job mixing up coverage. They've intercepted the ball in man situations, uh, broke on a pass. The, the uh, Joseph, I believe the corner, um, uh, yeah, Kelvin Joseph broke on a in a man to man situation in zone situations. They got really long underneath defenders. Uh, their middle linebacker Jermaine Davis uh, on the interception against. Uh, 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 Tennessee returned for a touchdown. Uh, they've got a really long buck that also plays nickel. Uh, Jordan Wright had a pick six against Mississippi State. You know, again, confused coverage, drop-in zones, great length. Um, so it's a tremendous challenge to throw the football. So Eli says it's going to be a challenge to throw it. I guess on the bright side, Missouri doesn't absolutely have to throw all the time, especially – on standard downs because, well, we've got Larry Roundtree and Tyler Beatty, and obviously, especially Larry's ran the ball especially well this year. So hopefully that level of balance that we expect to see will will pay off against Kentucky. And you've already heard what I had to say about Missouri's wide receiver situation on yesterday's show, but let's hear what Eli's opinion is on the wide receiver depth and the rest of the depth on this roster after this short break. So again, just to reset, Eli was asked how he felt about his team's depth, particularly at the wide receiver position after the LSU win. Yeah, I think specifically in the wide receiver room, I think you feel a lot more confidence in your in your receiver depth. 
Um, and I challenged our, our staff and our team last week that everybody's got to develop with seven games left. We've already experienced a good number of, of injuries and, and opportunities for other people on this team to make uh, uh, contributions. And in 2020, I think you're going to see all kinds of contributions from, from all kinds of players, and we all have to continue to embrace our role and, and develop. Um, you know, everybody's got an opportunity, and if your number's called, it's on you to be prepared for that opportunity. And certainly that is shown to be the case already. Boo Smith being the best example, possibly Zeke Powell too. Normally by the time the end of fall camp rolls around, I've got a pretty good idea of every single member who is going to play significant snaps on this football team, but that has not been the case this season. And in that vein, I think maybe to me and some other observers, it's maybe been somewhat surprising that some of the more ballyhooed true freshmen of this 2020 class haven't seen the field yet, particularly Elijah Young at running back from Knoxville and also J.J. Hester, are possibly the highest ranked guy in our class and a receiver. Obviously, Missouri was thought to need some help at receiver, so I'm a little bit surprised J.J. hasn't seen the field. And, well, somebody on the Mizzou beat had that thought as well, asked Eli Drinkwitz about those two guys specifically, and, well, here's what he had to say. Yeah, they're doing what they need to do. They're continuing to grow. Um, you know, I think both of those guys are going to have an opportunity to play at some point this year. There's just – there happens to be some depth in front of them. You know, Elijah happens to have two – really talented running backs in front of them and also a very talented uh, third down back course with Dawson. It just does everything consistent. Uh, you know, JJ's, uh, you know, got some guys in front of him that have played, and uh, but they both have really bright futures here. And, and I've challenged our coaching staff to find ways to get them involved, whether that's in special teams or within certain packages or plays within the game plan. And so I think you'll continue to see those roles increase. But, I, you know, like I've said, I think everybody at some point in this unique season is going to have to have a role and contribute so we all have to be ready for when our opportunity presents itself overall once again it just seemed like Eli was in a especially chipper mood this week which I sort of speculated on maybe maybe Gary Pinkle gave him a bit of advice based on his based on his it's all about the ball quote that Eli relayed repeated from the great coach Pinkle but you know what maybe it's more, a more simple explanation might just be he feels confident about this game coming up. Maybe he feels like his team can score on Kentucky if they can just hold on to that football. Again, it's all about the ball. If we can just hold on to that thing, I think Missouri can score on Kentucky. I really do. That's no disrespect to their defense. I'm not saying it'll be an LSU-like shootout by any stretch of the imagination, but considering Kentucky's offensive limitations – I feel very strongly that if Missouri plays a clean game here in terms of turnovers and certainly unnecessary false start penalties, blocks in the back, that kind of thing, if we can just avoid that type of deal, I think Missouri's got a fantastic chance to finally, finally reverse this terrible losing streak against Kentucky. So with all that being said, I'm going to get out of here. We'll talk more Kentucky football tomorrow. And then on Friday, of course, Project Run Play with Blake. So until then, I'm John Miller, and this has been Locked on Mizzou.